April 24th, 2022, this is Mofo, a video game collecting podcast. Coming up on today's episode, Sonic Origins gets a release date and confusing DLC. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 gets forced out of September by Splatoon 3. And is Sega remaking Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio? Welcome to episode 13 of FOMO's a Mofo. I am your host, Blue Swim, and we are live on Spreaker.com and on Spreaker's podcast player app, as well as streaming digitally after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, CastBox, and Geosvon. Oh boy, that's a mouthful. Try not to do that every episode, but uh, sometimes it just slips out of me. Well, it has been a rather interesting week for release dates. And we are going to touch on several things, including the announcement of a special edition that pretty much everybody will probably want to pick up. And nobody probably will be able to uh, because of where it's going to be coming out at. And let's see, we got some new stuff for the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack that will be uh, definitely worth getting into. And uh, of course, we are going to touch on a whole bunch of Sega news, including Jet Set Radio and Crazy Taxi, possible reboots, and even uh, Sonic Origins DLC. (laughs) Yeah, they screwed the pooch on that one. There's the hog. I'm not sure you'd want to try to screw a hedgehog. It might hurt. And uh, then in collecting news, we'll talk about PlayStation Plus, their new tiers system being rolled out, and the dates for those. Then, moving on in new releases, is actually a really slow week for new releases, as far as I can tell. There's uh, one or two things of note. But uh, primarily, it's, uh, yeah, kind of a slow week. Uh, And then, in pickups and impressions, I will give my thoughts on Idea Factory's Neptunia x Senran Kagura Ninja Wars. And of course, you know me, I loved the uh, Senran Kagura games. This one's kind of surprising, maybe a little bit more tame than a lot of people are expecting. Not by much, mind you, but yeah, just a little bit. That is what we got lined up for you today. Uh, One quick break and we'll get rolling with collecting news. Let's get rolling with collecting news. And first and foremost, Splatoon 2's Octopath expansion is going to be joining the Switch Online expansion pack. An expansion pass joining an expansion pack. Yo, dog, I heard you like Cadillacs, so we put a caddy in your caddy so you can caddy while you caddy. <laughs> uh, it's an old meme, but a good meme. But uh, basically, you know, this is a little bit more value for that uh, extra $30 a year. And I just had a notification that hopefully did not make it into the show. And of course it did. I'm sure it did. <sighs> Gotta love it. Anyways, 
Uh, so basically, uh, this is going to add a little bit more value to that extra $30 a year for the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack. And quite frankly, you know, I picked up the expansion, or the Octo Expansion, um, I guess it was about a month ago, maybe a little bit more. And I didn't spend a ton of time with it, because I got distracted by something else, like usual. Uh, but what I have actually played of it was pretty good. It's a little bit a little bit more challenging than the uh, traditional single-player campaign with uh, Splatoon 2, uh, which, quite frankly, I, you know, I'm not all that crazy about the single-player in Splatoon. You know, I mean, normally I love a good single-player campaign, but it feels like what they should be doing with Splatoon and the single-player experience is replicating the online experience, you know, the leveling up, the, uh, you know, playing these different events and stuff like that but done in an offline environment with bots. You know, I think that would probably be just as effective of a single-player mode as, you know, having a uh, long, drawn-out story campaign. I mean, I mean, it's fine to have, have it, but, you know, I, I don't think it really does much of anything besides service like training for the online modes. And I feel like when that's, like, basically the only way you can or one of the only ways you can sum up a single-player mode being in a game, it just feels like a waste of time, or like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like Splatoon 3 would probably benefit by having the online modes made available offline with bots in some sort of, like, focused single-player narrative. But of course, that's probably not how it's going to be. But... It is what it is, and uh, if you got Switch Online Expansion Pack, then you just saved yourself another uh, another 20 bucks uh, to play that expansion pass. And speaking of Splatoon 3, we finally have a release date for it. And it is September 9th of 2022. And uh, basically, this is kind of interesting because there was another big title that I'm going to be touching on in just a moment that was slated for September as well. And this September 9th release date has ended up pushing that out of September. And uh, before I move on, because there really isn't a whole ton of other news to talk about with Splatoon 3 besides the release date, uh, there is an interesting little detail that somebody have uh, some people have noticed and I checked it out for myself and the online rumors checked out and that is that Splatoon 3 will support save data cloud backup which is a notable improvement over Splatoon 2 which did not allow that I know you have the competitive elements to it that you know Obviously, you don't want people, you know, ranking down and then reloading their save and then, you know, they're back up their rank. And it's like, why don't you just have one save for the offline, one save for the online, let people back up the save for the offline stuff. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody really cares. Uh, I'm sure some people were trying to game the system. So I guess it is what it is. But whatever the, it was uh, with uh, Splatoon 2... They have apparently figured it out with Splatoon 3, so cloud data backup, it's incoming on Splatoon 3. Now, with Splatoon 3 landing on September 9th, that actually has pushed another high-profile AAA game out of September, and quite frankly, 
It's uh, pushed it up a bit to July 29th. And what I am talking about is, of course, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah, this was a little bit of a surprise. They actually have uh, moved up Xenoblade instead of letting it come out as planned in September. And, you know, considering Splatoon's coming out, you know, Splatoon's really popular over in Japan. Xenoblade Chronicles is really popular in Japan. And, of course, over both of those are very popular here over in the States as well. Uh, you know, it makes sense, I guess, you know, with Xenoblade Chronicles 3 being, like, one of these, you know, massive epic-length RPGs. You know, it only makes sense to have that out a little bit early, give people plenty of time to marathon through it. Of course, it just never seems to be enough time to marathon through anything. But... You know, that's it's interesting that they did that. I'm glad that they were able to. Hopefully there's not any uh, major developer crunch in it. I hope it's just a matter of them finishing the game up early and wanting to move it out a little bit quicker just so uh, things don't bottleneck there in September. But uh, we also have a, a little bit of details on the game, a few, a few more details from the Nintendo UK twi uh, Twitter. Uh, they said, Soldiers of... Uh, Kivez, Kivez, Kives. I'm not sure which one it is. Either Kives or Kie or Kivez, whatever. And Agnes can materialize the weapons they use in battle, known as blades, at will. Each soldier's blade is a reflection of them, so they might take on different forms, such as swords, guns, shields, or spears. Well, I mean, if you played a, Xenobl a Xenoblade Chronicles game. That, that pretty much sounds, you know, pretty much in line with how the series has gone, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I played uh, any of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and man, I kind of mad at myself for letting that one uh, go for a bit. But it's just, I mean, the Switch release schedule has just been nuts. What can I say? But um, uh, basically, we have one other little interesting detail and uh this is definitely uh right in line with fomo's a mofo because we are a video game collecting podcast and we love collector's editions and we have got the xenoblade chronicles 3 special edition officially announced and this is going to contain the game a steelbook and a looks like a uh, probably comparable to the uh, one that they did for xenoblade chronicles definitive edition sized art book and uh, it looks like uh, this one is going to include the standard game case and the steelbook. So very, very good. Definitely something that has blipped on my radar. I'm curious about how much it's going to be. Probably, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had a comparable special edition and it was 80. But I don't, I don't remember if that one had a steelbook with it. So maybe this would... I mean, they might push it up to 100, but I don't know that they would. I think they'd probably do 79 on it. Maybe 89. Uh, I mean, a 79 would be kind of like the uh, the right price for it. Maybe a little bit of a uh, consumer value because of the Steelbook compared to the, la the uh, last one. But uh, whatever price it comes out at, you're probably going to have a little bit of trouble finding it because it is going to be exclusive to the My Nintendo Store or basically the uh, Nintendo.com online store. 
So uh, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, that is apparently going to be exclusive there. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to not get too attached on getting the uh, special edition on this one because uh, you probably are going to have a tremendous amount of difficulty trying to get it. It's probably going to sell out in five minutes. Although, fortunately, I'm sure you can jump on eBay and get it for like 300 bucks after the day. It comes out. <laughs> Gotta love it. But, you know, July 29th isn't the only, or is going to have more than one uh, RPG, I should say. Because Digimon Survive is also going to be hitting the U.S. on July 29th. And they have got to be like, son of a bitch! Uh, that, that's gotta drive them nuts. And basically, from what I've seen of Digimon Survive, and I haven't kept up with it, I've heard people talking about it for years and years, and it just seemed like one of those vaporware titles, and then, oh, surprise, it's actually coming out. <laughs> but, um, basically, this one looks to be kind of like a Disgaea, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics-esque, uh, strategy RPG featuring Digimon. And I'm not sure what the theme is for this one as far as, like, the story goes, but, you know, the teaser trailer for it teased something about, you know, life being so fragile or something like that. And uh, might be a little bit on the darker side or a little bit more, um, I'm not sure if you'd say dramatic for what, but uh, it looks interesting and the gameplay, what snippets I saw looked fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's called Digimon Survive, so you might as well make the joke. Somebody's got to. I mean, I wonder if Digimon will survive sharing a release date with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Who knows? I mean, it could do well. I mean, it's going to be a multi-platform launch, I believe. I think it's going to be on all three major platforms and maybe Steam. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the same day, you know, for all of them or not. I forgot to check that out. Um, but, you know, if you've been looking forward to Digimon Survive, uh, the wait is just about over. You'll have a little bit of fun this summer around that one, I think. And speaking of July, we have another release date announced for another game. This one's being, uh, released on July 8th, and that is the Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series? Reverie series? Anyways... It's a weird name, and it's me. What do you expect? <laughs> Anyways, so this is the compilation of Klonoa uh, Door to Phantom Isle and Klonoa 2. And I believe it's only the Wii remake of the first Klonoa, <clears throat> of the first Klonoa and uh, the PS2 version. I think these are all redone with widescreen, but I could be wrong. But uh, Klonoa is a very expensive PS1 game. I mean, ridiculously expensive. I mean, you know, I had the benefit of getting a copy of it uh, for my birthday uh, when I was growing up. And, you know, I held on to it all these years. And, I mean, the next thing I know, I was like, I'm looking and it's like, let's see, I'm checking it right now. And... And it is sitting at like $495 for a complete copy. Oh my goodness. 
Mine's been through the ringer, though, so it might be a, <laughs> maybe not quite $500. <laughs> but um, so this is going to be... Um, it, it, this is going to be a, at least from what I'm seeing or what I'm not seeing, rather, a digital-only title in the U.S. I haven't seen any news on a physical release for it, unless the news on that is coming later. But uh, what we have right now is um, uh, from the Bandai Namco uh, U.S. Twitter, and they said, quote, Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series will release digitally on PS4 slash PS5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and Steam on July 8th. No mention of the Switch version in that uh, tweet because the uh, July 8th release date was already announced for that and everything was coming soon for the other platforms. At least that's my understanding. That's how I'm interpreting it. Anyways, uh... This remaster will come with many new gameplay elements. Enjoy these new features with the Klonoa Fantasy Reverie series remaster. Easy and normal difficulty. Hard mode unlocks after clearing uh, the game. Optional tutorials. Two-player support mode. And challenging stopwatch mode. I'm kind of curious what that stopwatch mode could be. If I guess it could be time challenges? Time to cha- uh, challenges? Uh, should be interesting, if nothing else. Uh, I did not see the price on this yet. But, you know, if you missed out on Klonoa and don't want to pay 500 bucks on eBay for something, <laughs> then uh, just grabbing the digital title on this should be a good deal. Like I said, I think this is the Wii version of the first game. I don't know that it has the PS1 version. Um... But uh, what I saw, the gameplay trailers looked really good. Should be a solid remaster, if nothing else. Bandai Namco usually does a pretty good job on those things. Uh, oh, and they introduced their new logo, and I uh, happened to see it last night during the uh, Baltimore Orioles and Anaheim Angels game last night. And uh, of course, Bandai Namco is advertising during, uh, on baseball games because of Shohei Otani, the MLB The Show 22 cover boy. Yeah, he's. Uh, He's pretty formidable in that batter's box, dude. <laughs> uh, let me tell you. But um, let's see. Moving on from one Japanese publisher to another, we head over to Sega. Because there is a rumor circulating, and I believe this originated in Bloomberg, uh, that Sega is going to be working on big-budget Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio reboots. And that is a very interesting idea. I mean, I've, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter, uh, one of my friends on Twitter, and I completely space on who it, who it was because I just happened to see it as I'm scrolling and I didn't make note of it. <laughs> but uh, one of my friends suggested the idea of like a crazy taxi battle royal game where you're like facing 99 or 98 other drivers to try at the same time trying to get the best score i thought oh that would be good for crazy taxi i like that idea i like it very much actually um but basically these are going to be um a part of the uh super game initiative i believe it's referred to as and basically, it's like uh, Sega's trying to make these big-budget games where they can get long-term revenue out of it. 
you know, like uh, how they introduce seasons one and two and three and stuff like that. And they're generating money the entire time. Well, uh, I'm kind of interested to see how they could make that work. Apparently, they're, the goal with these games is to uh, try to capture Fortnite's success. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Um, but uh, I got to thinking about it. And with Jet Set Radio, it might be a neat idea if like, you're playing online turf wars where you're trying to tag certain spots, like smaller graffiti symbols lead up to like larger ones and larger, and then if you capture all of them, then you win the game or something like that, or whoever tags the most wins. You know, I thought stuff like that would be good, maybe balance it out by, oh, you can only have so many spray cans unless you capture this point or that point. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting idea, I guess you'd say that's about the only thing I came up with off the top of my head. I'm not sure how well it would work in an online environment, but maybe something like Splatoon, but with graffiti tagging instead of just inking the turf. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's that's the best idea I could come up with off the top of my head if they're trying to make this like one of these like long-lasting titles where they're going to try to get some DLC money out of you. I mean, that's about the best way I can think of it, unless they're going to have, like, you know, a new version of Tokyo Toe, where uh, basically they kind of piecemeal, you know, the different districts of Tokyo. You know, that's one way to do it, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm curious. Apparently these things are still so early in development that there is a uh, possibility that they could just flat out get scrapped. I hope that's not the case, because I love Jet Set Radio Future, and I loved uh, Crazy Taxi back in the day, too. Um, two of my favorite Sega games, and one of my all-time favorite Sega soundtracks with um, uh, with Jet Set Radio. Uh, that is just so good. I actually have two CDs of the soundtracks. Um, but from what they could potentially be doing right over at Sega to what they uh, fucked up. <laughs> Let's talk the launch details for Sonic Origins. So Sonic Origins got its release date, and it is going to be June 23rd of 2020. Uh, 2022, excuse me. And uh, it's apparently going to be digital only, at least for the moment. Of course, Sonic Mania was digital only there for a while, and then it got a physical release later on, so you never know. But basically, this collection is going to include Sonic's 1, 2... 3 and Knuckles. Uh, I'm not certain if it's just going to be Sonic 3 and Knuckles and not Sonic 3 and Sonic Knuckles. I, you know, if it's just the two games combined. Uh, and lastly, Sonic CD. All in one nifty little compilation. And uh, basically, I think this is going to run $40 uh, at launch. I think it's going to be $40. And... Uh, well, uh, let's see. Let's talk about the uh, the thing they got wrong. Because apparently for... I think it's... I, I want to say it's $5 more than the standard edition. I think it's $39.99 uh, for the standard edition. And then $44.99 for the digital deluxe edition. And then there's also three packs of DLC 
besides that. And basically, here's what you get. They basically put out this nifty little spreadsheet. For, with the standard edition, you get the main game. Then you have the Start Dash Pack, which is free DLC included with pre-order of standard or digital deluxe edition. And this includes 100 bonus coins. Why are they called coins? Sonic uses rings. Mario uses coins. Ugh, anyways. Uh, no idea what those do. Uh, it also unlocks Mirror Mode. It says Mirror Mode Unlocked, so maybe there's the potential that you can unlock that mode through gameplay. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, and then lastly, Letterbox Background. And I don't quite understand what that is. That, see, the problem with this DLC, with these DLC packs, these three DLC packs, is that they are... It's, it's like the features that they include sound kind of confusing and like why would you just sell this stuff extra it's it feels like you're just taking literal pieces that should be in the main game and putting them separately and i know i say that a lot about dlc anyways but this feels especially like it like for example let's go to the premium fun pack as you could tell from the name of this episode uh, yeah, you knew I was going to rag on this one. And this includes hard missions, letterbox backgrounds, same as the uh, start dash pack, as well as character animation in the main menu, camera controls over the main menu islands, and character animations during music islands. What the fuck is this shit? Menu animations? They're really going to sell... Menu animations. Honestly, they're going to sell menu fucking animations. Are you kidding me? Fucking ridiculous. Now, there is one more pack. And this is called the Classic Music Pack. And at the very least, you know... All it includes is classic music. It says additional music tracks from Mega Drive slash Genesis titles. So I, I, there's no telling what it's going to be from, you know, for the moment. Uh, it could be, you know, music from other games that aren't Sonic. That's that's how I'm interpreting it. But who knows? And, of course, the digital, the digital deluxe edition, excuse me, uh, includes the main game, the hard missions, and the, uh, let's see, the the bonus tracks, the bonus classic tracks, and then the character animations, except for the letterbox background, the mirror mode being unlocked, and 100 coins. This is confusing as shit. Honest to God, how transparent can you be with your greed? I mean, look, we get it. Games are expensive. Publishers are doing everything they can to maximize every dollar they can get out of the game. But at some point, you fuck it up, and then you make people not want to spend money on your product at all. And this is exactly what you're getting. This is exactly the situation I'm talking about. Because everything is so damned confusing, and you don't understand... I mean, you don't necessarily understand everything about what you're getting, like with the 100 coins thing and I mean it's just 
it's frustrating as hell and sometimes you just want to scream it from the top of the from the top of the mountain you know just leave this shit out of the, your fucking games and i'll buy it <sighs> well aside from that there is actually some good news with this uh, Sonic Origins collection, and that is actually who's behind part of it. That being headcanon of Sonic Mania fame, and they are going to be handling the remaster of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. So that definitely makes me think that this is not going to be the uh, two separate games, the Sonic 3 and then the Sonic and Knuckles uh, games included with this. It's just going to be those two games wrapped into one. Maybe you can select one or the other from the main menu. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's encouraging because I believe Headcanon has also worked on remasters for Sonic 1, 2, and CD, so this would kind of complete the group. I could be forget. I might be wrong on Sonic CD, but I know they've done 1 and 2, and they were talking about completing the series with it. Uh, so that's encouraging. Um, the trailer for the game looked, you know pretty interesting as it is uh basically you can select sonic tails or knuckles at any point for any of the games which is definitely a new feature because you know you could not add in you know knuckles or tails into sonic one if you put it in uh sonic and knuckles back in the day and believe me i tried <laughs> who didn't um it also includes a uh, two different visual looks called original and anniversary visuals. And basically, I believe the original visuals are standard for three. And the, uh, the anniversary ones are widescreen as aspect ratios. So basically, uh, you're getting some sort of a visual upgrade on these things in one way, shape, or form. It may not reinvent the wheel or anything, but at least they're putting in a smidge of effort into this. And of course, most of that's probably just headcanon and their love of Sonic. Sega's probably just getting dragged along for the ride on it. <laughs> well, last up in collecting news, we have the rollout dates for the three-tiered PlayStation Plus. And these will be the uh, launch dates for the respective markets. Uh, for the Asian markets, it's going to start rolling out approximately on April, uh, May uh, 23rd. In Japan, June 1st, or around that. Americas will have it on June 13th, or thereabouts. And last but certainly not least, Europe will get it somewhere around June 22nd. And I, I, I'm putting, you know, maybe, potentially, supposedly... On these things because there might be some last minute delays and these were estimated release dates I believe or uh, you know targeted release dates I guess you'd say for these things and I believe I talked about these things in the last episode as far as the uh, three different services go and it's kind of funny that we're you know literally less than a month away from one of the launches on this and we don't know much of anything about any of the games that are going to be included there have been some ratings for some of the Siphon Filter games on PS4 and PS5. I want to say that was over in Korea. Could be wrong. Uh, but we don't know much of anything else besides that. And even that was just potentially for this service. I mean, it's 
it's not hard to understand or you know make an educated guess you know if these classic games are getting rated for these modern systems and they're launching these new tiers with classic games in it yeah it it kind of adds up but um yeah if you are curious about the uh nitty-gritty details about the three-tiered PlayStation Plus system, go check out, I believe it's episode 12 of FOMO's a Mofo, a video game collecting podcast. And uh, you can probably download it on wherever you are listening to this from. But uh, that will do it for Collecting News, coming up with new releases after the break. Let's talk new releases. And uh, quite frankly, it's a little bit of a slow week for new releases. We have a couple of things to talk about, but uh, they're kind of smaller titles, actually. Uh, First and foremost, LEGO Builder's Journey, which was released on the Switch, PC, and I think Xbox last year, in addition to mobile platforms, has hit PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 for a uh, somewhat reasonable price of... 1999 and basically the this game takes place in like these little miniature lego dioramas like think like captain toad stages meets lego and actually captain toad is a pretty good comparison to this actually because you're having to get from one side of a stage to another and you have to build your way there and navigate through like swamps and you know mud and and all these different uh, environments that can potentially be tricky to build on. And the game takes place from the perspective of a father and son. And it's not your typical Lego father and son where they're represented through Lego minifigures. These are done through little like little individual characters that are uh, just random Lego pieces made to look like people. And basically, you're a father and son team trying to make it through all these different environments. And uh, you have you have to jump from place to place and build some tracks to get from one place to another. And it looks pretty interesting. Um, I saw some people that weren't happy about the $20 price tag because of it being a mobile game or having mobile origins. And I, I can understand that to a certain degree. Uh, this does not have any trophies with it either. So, yeah, I can understand people being a little bit upset at that price. Uh, But from what I've seen of the gameplay itself, it looked pretty good. I'd say definitely give it, you know, at least check it out on your phone if you like what you play on there. Uh, If it's free or they have a, you know, a demo version of that, then maybe give this one a look. Um, uh, Visual style on it is pretty neat, too. They did a good job recreating the Lego look and doing it in a rather creative way. Next, uh, we get to talk about another Arcade Archives uh, game we talked about last week with um, uh, Legend of Valkyrie. And this week, we get to talk about uh, Ga- Ga Plus? G- Ga Plus, I guess you call it. Uh, basically, it is a sequel to Galaga. And I believe this one came out in arcades back in, I want to say it was 1984. I think that's what I saw when I was looking this up and basically uh it features beefed up versions of the original ships from like galaga and i'm not sure about uh galaxon i think that might have come out a little bit later i could be wrong about that 
Who knows? But, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, hitting, I guess, uh, Switch Online and stuff like that uh, for $7.99. Or Switch uh, eShop, I should say. And uh, last up in new releases, because like I said, it's a light week, we have three more Sega Genesis games coming to the Switch Online expansion pack. Those being the Sega Genesis titles of Shining Force 2, which is a strategy RPG, and it looks pretty neat from what I've seen. Uh, Sonic Spinball, which was one of my... One of my more favorite Genesis games growing up. I mean, I liked it okay. I never really got far with it though. That's one I've had a little bit more fun as or fun with as an adult. And then, last but not least, is Space Harrier Two. And uh, truth be told, it's kind of hard to follow Space Harrier Two because it looks kind of dizzying <laughs> because of the way they did the visuals on it. Um. But uh, all three of these games are available now for Switch Online Expansion Pack subscribers. And uh, if you actually have the Sega Genesis Classics compilation on the Switch from 2018, 2018, I should say, uh, then I believe all three of these games are already included with that. And quite frankly, that's about it for new releases. Back in a moment with pickups and impressions. It's time to talk pickups and impressions. And this week, I have only one pickup, but it's a good one. That being Neptunia X Senran Kagura Ninja Wars. And basically, I talked about this a little bit last week in new releases. And basically... This is a mashup of the, as you can obviously gather from the names, the Neptunia franchise and the Senran Kagura franchise. And I have far more familiarity with the Senran Kagura games. I've played more of them. And those are like action games that are somewhere in between Ninja Gaiden and Dynasty Warriors. It, you know, and basically that kind of plays in with this too. Uh, unfortunately... Uh, it might not be as deep as uh, Ninja Gaiden, and it does not have the uh, the uh, enemy count of a Dynasty Warriors title. But um, basically, with this one, you have two warring countries, and it basically it takes place in this uh, alternate dimension of some sort. You know, basically one of the uh, non-canon dimensions in the Neptunia world, I guess you'd say. And uh, Neptunia makes frequent fourth wall breaking jokes about like that or just the set, the setting in general or whatever. Fun stuff. Good writing in it. Um, basically, um, you have the uh, the four ninja goddesses of the uh, the Neptunia. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of what what the name of the country was. Um, Heartland. I, I, it's like one's Heartland and the other's uh, Marvel Land. The the Senran Kagura. Uh, okay, okay. Now it's making sense in my head. Like marvelous entertainment. Basically, the two are at odds with each other. Yet, you know the the Neptunia women 
and the Senran Kagura women are kind of like frenemies. And, you know, they're fighting each other because their countries are at war, but they kind of have like, they, they, they seem to want to more be friends than enemies, but, you know, their loyalties prevent them from doing that. And uh, basically, as the game progresses, eventually, of course, the two sides come together. I, I mean, it's I'm, I won't spoil the details on how, but you can kind of assume that that, that was going to happen at some point, especially since you can swap team members between, you know, one franchise and the other. So, I mean, obviously it was going to happen at some point. Um, but basically, uh, you know, the two kingdoms are at war and... Here comes this third kingdom, and it's called the Steam Legion. And, of course, you know, with Neptunia, everything is a reference to uh, the video game industry in some way, shape, or form. The uh, world takes place, or the the game takes place in the world of game ninjastry. <laughs> I think I had some trouble mispronouncing that last time. Basically, your your first battle is against a team of these robots, or... mechanical ninjas I think they call them and they have like some you know typical RPG enemies with them Uh, you know like some slime type things with them and the gameplay is definitely a bit on the shallow end of things like I said it's not Ninja Gaiden it's not Dynasty Warriors it's like it plays like a Musou but it isn't but it's not quite deep enough to be Ninja Gaiden either. It's it's kind of a weird mix. Um, you basically have one primary attack button that you tap repeatedly, which, I mean, if you uh, play the Dynasty Warriors games, you have two with that. But the second attack button that you think you should have with this actually just throws, uh, you know, Ninja Stars or Kunai or whatever. And those can be selected and upgraded and whatnot. But where things get a little bit deeper is that you can hold the L, the, uh, I think it's the L button. I don't think it's ZL. I think it's just regular L. And uh, that will bring up like a list of four special attacks that you can do. And that's kind of like some of the more modern Dynasty Warriors games where you can, you know, unleash a certain special attack or magical power like with the uh, Warriors Orochi games, I believe. And... Uh, you know, you can unleash special attacks that are kind of like how the uh, special attacks worked or looked, I should say, in Senran Kagura uh, Shinobi uh, Versus and uh, Burst Renewal and uh, the games like that. It's like those kinds of special attacks that like had like different le- uh, levels that you needed to get your energy level up to or whatever in order to execute them. In this game, you just select, or, you know, hold the L button down and hit the corresponding button to it. And you, that will use up stamina, and stamina recover, uh, recovers over time. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a fair way of doing doing these things, but it doesn't exactly have, like, a ton of depth to it. But there's also a buffing system that you can do. Uh, and if you hold the R button and press one of the corresponding face buttons, you can either boost your attack at the expense of your defense, you know, increase your speed, uh, enhance your ability to counter or block, and um, basically if you do it with just the right time, it'll super recharge your stamina or stuff like that. 
And I mean, that's a different way to adjust your fighting style a bit. Uh, but it's not exactly, um, it, it, it's like, it, what, I, I keep coming back to depth with this and I just feel like it's close to being deep, but it isn't. Um, and it's just, it's leaving me wanting more so far because the enemies are a bit on the sluggish side. I feel like, you know, you get a decent challenge from the boss enemies, but, you know, your standard grunts, your cannon fodder enemies, it's like, they feel like they are just so sluggish that you can just, you know, keep on top of your game and just walk right by most of them and slice them up if need to be. <laughs> um... But, you know, that that's one issue I've had with it. And the other one, this is not necessarily as much of an issue for me as it probably would be for some other people out there that are looking for an action game like this, um, is that there have been a lot of visual novel scenes to this. The story is told through visual novel cutscenes. And I'm at the 4 hour and 15 minute mark, I believe is where I put it down. And essentially, I want to estimate somewhere in the neighborhood of three hours of that, maybe th uh, two and a half to three hours of that, has just been visual novel cutscenes. And I, that might be a generous estimation as far as the gameplay goes, because it's like, it feels like I am like in a half an hour cutscene. And, you know, then I'm playing a stage for maybe 15, 20 minutes, something like that. Um, and, you know, then it's another half an hour, 45 minutes of cutscenes and conversations, stuff like that. And, and the, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make it sound like the cutscenes are bad or anything like that because the writing's actually really good. It's like, you can get a good sense for the characters and how, how, um, how they've managed to blend the two franchises together. I mean, it works pretty well. And even coming off of not knowing much of anything about Neptunia, you know, I still felt like, you know, these characters have a good dynamic to it and made it easy to get into the game and stuff like that. But, you know, when you have, you know, such a long gap, we're talking blaze blue kind of gap uh, between, you know, stages in an action game. Sometimes that's, uh, it feels a little excessive. I mean, it's, it's all entertaining, but... When you go into an action game, you expect to have action. You know, you expect to be, you know, playing a game with, you know, a pretty decent string of action scenes to it. And, you know, I'm at the four-hour mark, and I've just, you know, started up stage three, or I'm into chapter three with it, and I haven't even begun the stage, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it it's a little excessive, but... Uh, I haven't done anything with this yet because it unlocked right before I called it an evening on it. Uh, there are side quests and side missions that you can uh, jump into and play around with. And those will unlock, you know, different uh, soul gems or whatever they're called that you can use to enhance your characters and level help level them up or, you know, buff stats or whatever. Um, so apparently there's like some more gameplay elements to it that are probably just going to be strictly focused on the action gameplay. So, you know, there is that, but you know, early on, it's like, I, I think people are going to go into this expecting like, you know, 
a pretty steady action game, and they're going to get like a lot more visual novel than they're really intending. And the temptation to skip is probably going to be pretty up there, at least for you know for some people. Um, I mean, you know, truth be told, I mean, I have my criticisms of it, but you know, I've had a hard time putting it down, and I think a lot of that is just to do with the writing. It's you know, it, it has kept me compelled to stick with it. The characters, you know, blend together perfectly. Like I was saying about uh, Neptunia, it's like I don't have much of a, any experience with any of those characters. And still, it's like I could, you know, pick up almost immediately that, you know, there's a really good dynamic there between the members of that group. And, you know, I want to see a little bit more of the, you know, the Senran Kagura girls whip it as well as far as like their story goes, you know, maybe see the story from their perspective a bit. I don't know if it's going to be, because it seems to be mostly telling it from the Neptunia perspective. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I, I think if you can tolerate maybe longer than expected visual novel scenes with it, you'll get a decent action game out of it. Um, but, you know, this is like what I kind of consider to be like a, double a title it's like not quite triple a but it's like not quite just flat out budget title you know it's like they have put some effort into it but it's not at that like top level um but uh you know i'm gonna stick with it i think the campaign's supposed to be around 10 hours long 10 to 12 hours long something like that and who knows if that's factoring in you know skipping the cutscenes or not i mean who knows um but uh and i haven't checked to see if it's still available or not, but I know uh, the Idea Factory website has the uh, limited edition for the Switch still in stock, at least as of the uh, last time I checked a few days ago. And that includes, like, a wall scroll, a soundtrack CD, I think there's an art book in there too, and I, I that might be it. Uh, but that will run you ninety nine ninety nine if they still have it. And the standard game itself is uh, basically uh, it's uh, forty nine ninety nine physically and digitally. Or well, you can get it for thirty nine digitally if you uh, get it between now and tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be off sale in just a few hours. So if you're listening to this live and you want to pick up Senran Kagura uh, or Neptunia X Senran Kagura, go for it. You got a, a good deal on it. But, um, you know, going into this, I expected there to be a, you know, I, I expected some element of fan service because, you know, it's Senran Kagura. You assume there's going to be fan service because it's Senran Kagura. But uh, this game has actually been somewhat tame in that regard. I mean, I, you've seen, or you see a uh, typical uh, Japanese bathhouse scene, you know, and the girls are in towels. I mean, it's, you know, it's the typical scene, you know, that bathhouse trope from an anime. But, you know, it's not, you know, ridiculously revealing like some of the uh, Senran Kagura main standalone games can be. Um, so uh, it's, you know, maybe a little bit easier to uh, to play if you're not as, uh, you know... Uh, not as uh, favorable towards fan service. <laughs> if you've been curious about the Senran Kagura franchise, that's uh, probably a probably the best way to experience it without getting subjected to gratuitous upskirts and 
everything else that goes along with Senran Kakura. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm having fun with it. I'm going to play some more this afternoon after I get done with uh, everything with the show. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, go into it with modest expectations as far as the action goes. Um, it's not the deepest thing in the world, but, I mean, you can have fun with it. I'd, I'd say if you're, you know, a regular to the uh, Dynasty Warriors franchise or the Musou genre, or you just like the uh, action of the Senran Kagura games, it's, you know, comparable to that, but maybe not as uh, abundant as far as the enemy count goes. And that will do it for my pickups and impressions for the week. And as usual, when pickups and impressions are done, that means I am done too with this episode. And I would like to thank you for listening to FOMO's MoFo. And please be sure to subscribe to the show on your podcasting platform of choice. FOMO's MoFo is available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, CastBox, and GeoSavon. And if you are so inclined, please leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, because that will help with the uh, visibility of the show. And, uh, yeah, it could... uh, definitely be used and appreciated you can keep up with gaming news and anything to do with the show by following at FOMOS MOFO on Twitter or you can uh, keep up with my personal account that being at Blue Swim and you will get subjected to wrestling retweets and uh, various random funny videos that I come across Well, that'll do it for this episode. Have a great week, everybody, and happy collecting. Peace.